0: This program's about the impossible. There's a good chance that you believe in the impossible. In 1967, Dr. George Wald won the Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine. Dr. Wald said When it comes to the origin of life, there are two possibilities creation or spontaneous generation. There is no third way. Spontaneous generation was disproved 100 years ago. But that led us to only one other conclusion, that of supernatural creation. We cannot accept that on philosophical grounds. Therefore, we choose to believe the impossible, that life arose spontaneously by chance. This Nobel prize-winning scientist rejected the science that God had to be the creator of life. The only possible explanation for you. Me, I'm a Christian because I don't believe in the impossible. Stay tuned and let's explore the universe as it really is. I'm Paul and this is C-Y-K-I-A-E. Christ, you know it is. Batio Ungersagen, in her book Bad News, looks at the new critical race theory. What she finds, she says, is anti-racism is a magic trick that transforms economic guilt into racial guilt, absolving the rich of any role in solving inequality because it's rooted in the one thing they have no control over, their race. It was the perfect worldview for white liberals, increasingly college-educated and affluent, A diffuse intelligentsia, employed in creative, knowledge-based and managerial roles. Convinced of their own superior virtue and desperate to telegraph it, America's news media stepped in to show them how to keep their rarefied status while also feeling like heroes. All it would cost would be a yearly subscription. What is she talking about? It's important for us to know what the magic trick is that we're being fooled by. Well, some of us. Racism has almost vanished from our society. Start with, once there were lots of black slaves and today there aren't any. Enormous progress has been made since this following speech was delivered by the amazing Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., a Christian who, through peaceful protest, transformed America with his dream, which has mostly happened. I have a dream. My poor little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. The Bible, 1 Peter 5.8, tells us, most importantly, be disciplined and stay on guard. Your enemy, the devil, is prowling around outside like a roaring lion just waiting and hoping for the chance to devour someone. The prince of the world, Satan, is hungry and on the prowl. In this context, Satan is working through Marxists, the opposite in every way to Christianity. But the Marxists had had a serious setback in the early 1900s, all over the world. Marx had declared the proletariat, the industrial working class, would be the people who would rise up and overthrow the capitalists, leading the inevitable march to the socialist paradise. They had nothing to lose but their chains. Igor Shafarevich, who lived through Stalin and then his successors until the fall of communism, knew firsthand what left ideology actually does to people. He calls the people in in this role that the proletariat was supposed to fill the chosen people of the Marxists. But the lives of the proletariat got better and better as capitalism brought more prosperity to more people, something socialism can never do. And not only didn't the proletariat need the Marxist revolution, which only leads to slavery anyway, they were prospering under the capitalists. From the 1970s, the socialists had to look for people to replace the treacherous proletariat, who had betrayed the revolution they identified their new chosen people as being the people who weren't white there are a lot of them the left decided that the lives of those people were irreparably incurable using the fiction that white people were irredeemably racist and would always oppress people who weren't white this included the dirt poor white who were lucky if they had two cents to rub together You might rightly wonder how they were privileged. Well, in the words of the Marxists, poor whites benefit in psychic ways. That's really what the left says. If you believe that, then you'll believe anything. It probably means that you're one of the left's useful idiots. If that wasn't bad enough, the Marxist promoters of inherent white racism had to shamelessly borrow part of their philosophy from Monty Python's 1979 movie, The Life of Brian maybe you remember this bit if you saw the movie. Brian, a person who is definitely not the messiah has been picked out by the mob as being the messiah so he tries to reason his way out of it with as much success as a white person arguing with a critical race theory Marxist philosopher that they're not racist. Don't waste your time, you're never going to win The exchange goes like this Messiah, will you please listen? I am not the Messiah, do you understand? Honestly! Only the true Messiah denies his divinity. What? Well, what sort of justice does that give me? All right, I am the Messiah! He, he is, is! He is the Messiah. Messiah! That's the sort of bogus killer argument that appeals to the left. So Robin D'Angelo grabbed it and used it in her book, White Fragility. Why it's so hard for white people to talk. About racism, where she says, White identity is inherently racist, and white progressives, people who believe they are not racist, are the most problematic of all. So, if a white person denies they're a racist, they're admitting that they are racist. So, with such cunning arguments, all white people are racist. The first books by these glowing beacons of Marxist ideology were written by Ibrahim X. Kendi in his 2019 book. How to Be an Anti-Racist, and Robin DiAngelo in her 2018 book White Fragility. They are about what is called wokeness today, but it's just the same old left-wing political ideology wearing new clothes. So this woke revelation of critical race theory about why black Americans and Hispanic people were failing to make a success of themselves in America must have come as a lights-on moment for those people. Only it didn't. Scientific research has found a clear difference of views on the effect of racism in their lives between black Americans, white Americans who don't have the advantage of college educations, and the white college-educated liberals, mostly Democrat voters. But Unger Sagan in her book Bad News refers to PhD research by Zach Goldberg into the question of racial diversity in the workforce and other places where people gather together for work or socially. of white college educated people say that racial diversity makes America a better place to live in. There's no scientific research that establishes that as a fact. Just over 50% of black Americans think racial diversity makes for a better workforce, and only 45% of Hispanics think that. A majority of black Americans and Hispanics think that diversity makes America a worse place to live. Diversity is actually Marxist doublespeak. What's doublespeak? Well, Wikipedia says this. Doublespeak is language that deliberately obscures, disguises, distorts, or reverses the meanings of words. Doublespeak may take the form of euphemisms, in which case it is primarily meant to make the truth sound more palatable. It may also refer to intentional ambiguity in language or to actual inversions of meaning. In such cases, doublespeak disguises the nature of the truth doublespeak is most closely associated with political language. The goal of diversity in Marxist ideology is to have everyone the same. Sounds odd, doesn't it? One of the earlier and most clear-sighted Marxist philosophers was a Benedictine monk by the name of Léger Deschamps. He defined what diversity means. He said, The maximum implementation of the idea of equality and community means people will live Without mine and thine, all specialization will disappear, as will the division of labor. People would even come to resemble one another. All faces would be almost identical and would express satisfaction. In the eyes of men, all women would resemble all other women, and all men would be like all other men in the eyes of women sense awful. All of this harkens back to the days of Mao Zedong, when men and women dressed in the same clothes dictated to be worn by the Chinese Communist Party, and they became very much indistinguishable. Diversity is a Marxist goal, which aims at uniformity. Double speak. They don't want diversity, they want uniformity. White liberals, educated by Marxist professors and lecturers, operate with the bigotry of low expectations. They are, after all, the elite of our society. They're not only better than their fellow white man or woman, but they are infinitely better than the black Americans and the Hispanics. In your me, that belief would be racism. But because these people are so superior to all of us, in them, it's not. To illustrate, white liberals, using the American term meaning left-wing, see significantly greater voter suppression of black Americans and Hispanics than black Americans or Hispanics do. These white elite are 10% more likely to believe blacks shouldn't be expected to overcome prejudice and work their way up in society on their own without special favours. Affirmative action. That's interesting because over 50% of black Americans are opposed to affirmative action. Incredibly to the woke folk, they believe that they're as good as white people and they're able to make their own way in life without the help of the elite white woke liberals. What do you think? This question assumes that you aren't woke and you do actually think for yourself. Maybe it's racial discrimination that's stopping black people getting ahead. In 2017, the Pew Research Center did its political landscape survey. It found that 80% of white liberals believe racial discrimination is the main reason why many black people can't get ahead these days. 18% said blacks who can't get ahead in this country are mostly responsible for their own condition. Black Americans didn't see things the same way that the white woke folk did, and I guess they should know. Only 60% of them saw discrimination as the main barrier to African Americans getting ahead, while 32% said blacks were responsible for their own condition. This is pretty much the same debate about why Irish, Italian, Jewish, Polish, and many other immigrants to America who arrived with nothing became successful. If you're woke, then the chances are that you're an atheist. If you don't believe in God, then you don't believe in that most important non-material thing, the soul and you don't believe that humans have free will that God gave us. You're just a random product of an uncaring universe, and what happens to you is completely and only determined by your environment and your genes. Throughout the ages, countless people have shown that that isn't true. Despite living in a time post-Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., when racism has been very much wiped entirely from our society, a CNN survey gave what are startling results. White Democrat voters were asked in 2009 if they knew someone that they considered racist. 45% said yes. Nine years later, in 2015, that number had jumped to 64%. What could account for that? Was America going through a massive resurgence of racism? The number of non-white Democrats who said that they knew someone they would consider racist went from 50% in 2009 to... Down to 42% in 2015. That is clearly more realistic. Republican voters basically saw no change in people that were racist in the same nine-year period. They were at around 40%. Now you might be saying, of course, what would you expect from those white MAGA Trump voting deplorables? But by 2015, they and the non-white Democrats, blacks and Hispanics, saw the world in the same way as those deplorables. So that slur just won't stick. PhD student Zach Goldberg, who was researching this awakening, or or maybe the right word is awokening, for his paper, How the Media Led the Great Racial Awakening, found that with the combination of the promotion of the Marxist critical race theory and the media climbing on board, something that drove business to them like you wouldn't believe, well, he said... Editorial decisions made over the past decade at some of the most powerful media outlets in the world about what kind of language to use and what kind of stories merited coverage when it came to race, whatever the intention and level of forethought behind such decisions, has stoked a revival of racial consciousness among their readers, intentionally or not, by introducing and then constantly repeating a set of keywords and concepts, Publications like the New York Times have helped normalize among their readership the belief that color is the defining attribute of other human beings. Critical race theory, I'm sure that Ibrahim X. Kendi and Robin DiAngelo weren't writing their books to drive up newspaper online subscriptions when they exposed what they imagined to be the greatest evil of all time, critical race theory, but the way they described it, it was the perfect marketing tool for the media, even though their theory was fatally wrong. The biggest inequality in America today isn't racial inequality, it's economic inequality. And although the woke media folk aren't Christians, maybe a few exceptions, I'm sure they thank God for the critical race theory. Batya Sagan says in her book, Bad News... For 30 years now, American liberals have become ever more highly educated and increasingly attached to the meritocracy that's so richly rewarded them. Though they struggle to see it, this meritocratic view that American liberals subscribe to is based on the inherently unequal belief that not only wealth and privilege, but political power itself should be the special province of the smart and talented. And as people like Christopher Lash and Michael Lind have pointed out, an obsession with racial parity at the tippy-top of the economic ladder is crucial to sustaining the fiction that the reigning elites earned their right to their success, power, and wealth due to their own talent. After all, if there are only white people at the top, it's clearly not merit alone that got you there. Focusing exclusively on race is a great way to do nothing at all to disturb the unequal social structures that have allowed the elites of both political persuasions to rise so very far above everyone else. And while there absolutely should be more people of color represented among the elites, this question is one that largely obscures another urgent and important one. What happens to everyone else? The beauty of critical race theory is that you can't actually do anything about it the way the Marxist academics have described it. White people are incurably racist, they say. Nothing can be done about that. So the elite white folk don't actually have to do anything about their whiteness, their white privilege, other than to shed white tears, as the woke people would say. Sadly, they just have to live with their guilty feelings while enjoying their economically privileged status and pouring buckets of poo on people like you and me from their penthouse apartments about how deplorably racist we are and what would you expect? Critical race theory is the game for all of the rich people to play and it doesn't cost them a thing. New, financially elite, upwardly mobile, woke, white folk take out their subscriptions to the New York Times, so they can read about how bad they should feel about themselves. Thanks to their subscriptions, the luxury market has gone through the roof. The style section of the New York Times used to come out only with a Sunday edition, but now it also runs on Thursdays. The print section of that magazine is printed on higher quality paper than the rest of the paper. With Rolex and Amani taking full-page ads, money is no object in appealing to the vanity of these woke folk. And the ads that the elite, top of the financial marketplace, are the wokest you're likely to find anywhere. Alongside the woke Amani ads are stories reflecting the truly deep commitment of these financial elites to the issue of critical race theory. Headlines like, Despite everything, people still have weddings at plantation sites? Or, The incredible whiteness of the museum fashion collection? Or, It's time to end racism in the fashion industry? But how? Butja Ungersagen says that the luxury New York Times tea magazine had a picture of black activist Angela Davis clearly not suffering the consequences of critical race theory, on the front page of its cover. A Cartier ad is on the back. She says they are the two sides of the same coin. This isn't a new story. You might remember the stories that the leader of the Black Lives Matter movement, Patrice kahn Colors, bought four homes for $90 million out of the money raised by BLM. Typical left behaviour. For historical context, the leaders in communist Russia lived lives of incredible opulence and luxury that the czars would have envied, but as the advertising slogan says, they deserved it. So the elite journalists can relax about the shocking racism they're describing on their posts. Things like the poor pay that black people get, ignoring the pay that they get for their opulent lifestyles, and the miserable pay that they themselves give to their black and Hispanic nannies, that look after their children for them or clean their houses. And remember, when you're talking to blacks and Hispanics, don't use big words and talk slow. What do I mean? Research has shown that the white woke liberals mostly have no contact with blacks or Hispanics. They have no idea how to interact with them. Other white people, deplorables, interact naturally with blacks and Hispanics. Rumour has it that they treat them as if they're human beings, just like themselves. The woke could never have that accusation levelled at them. In March 2019, a paper was presented by Sydney Hurston-Dupre and Susan T. Fisk called Self-Presentation in Interracial Settings, the Competence Downshift by White Liberals. The research paper appeared in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology. It found most whites, particularly socio-political liberals, now endorse racial equality. Archival and experimental research reveals a subtle but reliable ironic consequence. White liberals self-present less competence to minorities than do other whites. That is, they patronize minorities stereotyped as lower status and less competent. The anti-racists dumbed down how they speak, when they speak with blacks and Hispanics. This is racist behavior. This is not surprising. The new woke elite would never dream of interacting with black Hispanics, or for that matter, most ordinary white people. The newspapers they read, the New York Times, is typical of what these people read. They are elite newspapers. They don't really want those classes of inferior people reading their paper. Butcher Unger Sagan puts it this way. The New York Times has since its inception set a premium on excluding from its readership the have-nots, the unwashed masses, who can't afford to even dream about a Cadillac watch or a Ralph Lauren suit. But it didn't use to cast this exclusive elitism as a crusade on behalf of the disenfranchised. Book media has allowed a powerful liberal elite to do just this, to portray its own economic interests as speaking truth to power, all the while consolidating huge amounts of power in a small, highly educated caste. The atheists left who believe the impossible about how there can be life without there being God, who believe that the most intricately amazing thing in the universe, you, happened by countless accidents. Remember, absence of design results in chaos. not with you apparently, believe that there's no free will and no forgiveness. Giving up God comes at one hell of a price. So in my next program, I'll show you that in the modern work world, the word forgiveness is no longer found in the dictionary. Thanks for listening into this program, CYKIAE. If you missed it, you can catch up with it as a podcast on my CYKIAE, Spotify, Apple, Google, and many other podcast sites. Just look at my program details on Cairns FM 89.1 for clickable links. I'm Paul. Don't miss my next program because you're going to love it. I want to thank my ghostwriter, without whom this program would definitely not have been possible, the Holy Spirit. Maybe you could catch up with me at my church, the Gafcon Northern Hope Anglican Church at the Cairns and District Junior Stedford Hall, 67 Greenslopes Street, Edge Hill, some Sunday at 9 a.m. If you liked this program, you should definitely listen in to my other explosive program, The Danger Zone, also available as a podcast on those same sites. Search Danger Zone, bracket DZ, close brackets.